0: Welcome to the Crossing Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. The Crossing Church exists to see every person restored to God and to the life He created them to live. And we wanna walk through this journey with you. If you need help, or if you need prayer of any kind, you can text the keyword, I need help to 31996. Or if you give your life to the Lord, we would love to know. You can text the keyword, I said yes, to that same number, 31996. Someone from our care team will reach out to see how we can walk through life with you. We're so glad that you've joined us today. Enjoy the message.
1: So appreciate you guys and so appreciate all of you. Uh, As many of you know, this morning, we're uh, in some ways back like we were at uh, when all of the COVID stuff began. Uh, We're not under any government uh, restrictions at this point. We simply took a step to uh, pause our our in-person services because three of our staff, now a lot of our staff is here and we got a lot of great tech team. And by the way, let me just honor our tech team. There's folks behind cameras and back in that room that came and and, uh, we honor them. Uh, we recognize how important it is that all of you that are behind those cameras are here this morning for times just like this, and in some ways we're, we're used to this. But for our church family and those of you that might be joining us online, you might notice that, that the, the room's a little bit empty. It's because three of our staff did test positive, and so out of an abundance of caution, uh, we are all just making sure we're not passing this thing around to one another and uh, passing it on to you. So for the next three Sundays, this Sunday and the next two after that through Labor Day, Uh, We are for sure not going to have in-person, and I'll be communicating with you to let you know that uh, how we're going to move forward from that. Uh, Let me also say, we're 18 Sundays away from Christmas, so there's some good news, all right? Christmas is heading at us, and... uh, so anyway, we're excited about that, but between here and there, there some exciting, uh, there's some exciting stuff. I do want to let you know that coming the, right after Labor Day, when we come all back together, and that's the hope and prayers, that we just all come back together the Sunday after Labor Day, I'm going to be starting a new series, and we're calling it, What Time Is It? And we're going to look at the prophetic words in Scripture that line up with some of the events that are going on right now and uh, it really just help us all understand that we are coming upon a time that is like no, none other, and the Bible predicts it. And uh, some other good news here, yes, we've got Christmas coming, but also Jesus is coming. And at some point, we're gonna end this ball ballgame, so, but it's not gonna be a bad ending, it's gonna be a good ending for all of us who know the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, having said that, now I want you to open your Bibles. We're going to uh, continue with our series, Unshakable. And sincerely, if you're on your couch right now, run, go get your Bible. Get a pen. Get a notebook. Get that extra cup of coffee. Get it like you like it, because I want you to. I want you to focus in with me. Now, this is Pastor Randy at his most serious, and I'm usually serious, but I'm I'm always serious. But I'm I'm serious this morning. It's very important the word of the Lord that's upon us. Hebrews chapter four is where I want you to turn. And ordinarily, this message is called unshakable faith. And ordinarily, if we were gonna turn to Hebrews, you would all run to Hebrews chapter 11 and we might get over there, we might not. But uh, so important that we, we understand the, the message. And uh, it, I wanna just say it like this. Uh, ordinarily right now, Thomas will know this, uh, Austin will know this. Right now, we should be in preseason football. Right. If the world were right, and if Jesus had come back and returned, when Jesus runs this place, August will be preseason pro football. Cowboys will likely be w- winning a lot more. Uh, nonetheless, uh, preseason is, is when the teams come together. Uh, they are, they're getting to practice, but these games are full on. Uh, they are full contact, full speed. The coaches are having to make calls every seven seconds, Preseason football games, they don't count to the championship or they don't count to the record, but they are full-blown. People can get injured, you can get hurt, but it's so that you get real-time experience and get the feel of the crowd or, or, or the emotion and the speed so that when the real games start, uh, you're, you're, you're practiced and ready going at that speed and, and going at that, that speed and that impact. Um, what's happening right now where we sit It's very real, Uh, the economy, the COVID thing, all the nuttiness going on in our political world, all the things going on in our media, the the violence, the riots, the anger, the outrage, the racism, all of this is is very, very real. What you need to hear, now hear this, this is from a, a prophetic sound, is this is very real, but when you hear the next series, you're gonna realize it's not gonna get easier for us, the church. And for this kind of long season, 150 years here in America, the church of Jesus Christ has felt more like a cruise ship than a battleship. And the fact that we're changing to battle mode is a little unsettling to all of us, to you as well. I must call you. I want to let you know what you have given your faith to. It will stand the test, but you've got to stand the test. you got to bring something to the table regarding your determination, and we've got to shift from thinking of church as a cruise ship to a battleship. Now, Hebrews chapter four, Hebrews is just a a fascinating book and uh, very different from almost anything else in the New Testament. One of the reasons is because the author is unknown. Pastor Randy, why why isn't the author known here? Uh, And it really doesn't do us any good to start an argument. Was it Paul, Barnabas, Apollos? It doesn't matter. He's unknown for a reason and here's why. In uh, the mid-A.D.s, like 45, 46, 47 A.D., there was an emperor in Rome. This book is written to Jews who were in Rome, house churches. Uh, They were in houses just like you're in houses. And uh, these were Jews who had converted to Christianity. They were Christ followers. And Claudius was the emperor of Rome. And there was some social unrest and uh, there were demonic strategies behind this, but there was some social unrest, and Claudius dismissed or ran all the Christians out of Rome and said it's their fault. And he used the Christians as a, as a scapegoat. Well, his wife, lovely, lovely woman, must have been, had him killed so that her son Nero, uh, 16-year-old Nero, could come to the throne. This now happened over four or five years later. Uh, and so Nero comes to the, to the throne, he's 16 years old, he's running the government, but his handlers, because he's of his age, are actually the ones uh, administrating. So they call the Jews back, the Jews are allowed to come back to Rome, they come back and start their little house churches and they're going. Uh, but Nero is an evil little son of a gun. I mean, he's just up to no good. When he turns 21 years old, he kills his mother and kills his wife because he wanted to marry another woman. He begins to, he reminds me, and I don't know how else to say it, he reminds me of of Kim Jong-un, the way Kim Jong-un runs his government. If his brother goes awry of him, he has him killed. If uh, one of his wives or somebody in his family or cousin, he just has him eliminated. Uh, Nero ran the country exactly like this, and he was an egomaniac and a control freak and horribly demonically possessed. Nero has some political unrest. Now, I want you to start to connect some dots with me, gang. Nero has some unrest in the, in the culture, and the, the, the Roman culture begins to question his leadership. Uh, there, was an enti- there was a fire that he, he was ultimately responsible for, a great fire in Rome. But uh, when the, when the, the Romans begin to turn against him, the culture, he began to look for a scapegoat to blame For all the unrest and all the things he was getting blamed for as, if you will, the president, the government began to look for a scapegoat in that culture, and guess who that became? All the Christ followers, these Hebrew uh, Christ followers, were now targeted, and Nero began to go house to house, punishing them horribly. Uh, He would imprison them. He would clothe them in uh, animal skins and throw them to dogs, and the dogs would would literally attack and kill them. He had all kinds of sport-like ways that he was, uh, you know, bringing these Christians to martyrdom. And so this group of Hebrews, underneath it, during this time, by the way, the church uh, lost uh, Paul. Paul, uh, Nero got to Paul, and he got to Peter. So if you can imagine being in these house churches, you're a Christ follower, but the society has now turned against you. Nero started a campaign in the culture to say, all of our problems, it's the Christians' fault. It's those Jewish Christians. And so they begin to mercilessly kill and crucify and imprison and run off these, these Christians. Now, put yourself in their shoes. They begin to ask themselves, is it worth it? Is this worth it to be a Hebrew Christ follower? So some of them start falling from the faith. Some of them start going back to Judaism and just saying, hey, let's just, let's just scratch the Jesus thing. And the book of Hebrews is written from a, what looks like a former pastor to that area. What, pastor, why wasn't his name put in there? The reason he didn't sign his name is because it meant certain death. So that's why we don't know who the author is because the author was too smart But we recognize that the person of God, the Holy Spirit, had a message to this church. Now, again, connect some dots here. Exactly like demonic strategies uh, worked in Rome to come against the Christians and say, it's the Christians' fault for holding up all these standards. They're our problem. The same thing happened in Germany. A Christian nation at the time, Christ-following, if you will, nation, a great churched nation, Led by Hitler, though, Hitler was able to say, it's the Jews why we have all these problems, and he was able to turn an entire nation against the Jews and almost wiped them out. Now, the parallels I want you to see is this. The Scripture tells us we're to know the schemes of the devil, and you need to know this. In the United States of America, the game plan is working exactly the same. Our government in cohort with the media who is completely complicit, they are not actually running anything. They are subject to demonic forces that are behind them, creating strategies that have been planted over years. And ultimately, wearing the name of Christ is going to get more and more and more difficult. And it won't get better from here. That's why I say in some ways, this is like a preseason for us because you and me, We've got to practice now real faith. Not faith that we're gonna have a trip to Disneyland and there's nothing wrong with that. But I'm talking faith that says, uh, regardless of how difficult this gets, we believe in our God. We believe in his word. We believe in his Christ. And if it were to cost us our life, we will stand. The letter to the Hebrews, the, the over, all the way through it, you'll hear this strong sense of don't you turn away from him. Don't trample underfoot the very blood of Jesus, Hebrews 6 and Hebrews 10. You be confident. You stand strong. And I picked what I think is kind of a theme verse, but you can find This kind of a verse, and gang, what's Pastor Randy saying to you right now? I'm saying to you right now, hold your ground. This is not going to get easier. The press isn't going to start to to celebrate Christianity. The culture's not going to celebrate Christianity, and we're going to get the blame. We're going to have leaders like Paul and like Peter. Can you imagine having those two hero generals of the church being, uh, uh, being martyred? That what that did to the securities, you're going to see, as we have seen, more and more godly leaders accused, and you and I are going to sit in our te- on, our, on our couches and watch the news, accuse them, and don't you celebrate for a second when you see a Christian leader down? Don't you celebrate for one second and go, oh, "I knew that, I knew they were fake." Don't you do that? These are strategies of the enemy to try to turn us against one another. Stop looking at your Christian neighbor and pointing fingers. You can see it, and it's, it's a shame to me. We've got, other, we've got Christian leaders attacking Christian leaders right now. And there, there's some godly people, but I just want to grab them and say, hey, what are you thinking? Get your, get your head up. Look at what's going on. This is so clear. There's a strategy of the enemy. It's been played out time after time, and it's going right down by the playbook right now. We are called to know these schemes. You should know this. So I call you right now to the same thing that these these Hebrews were called to. This writer, by the power of the Holy Spirit, is saying this you hold your ground, don't you give an inch. Hebrews 10.23, and you you can read it in different, all through the book of Hebrews, but it says this, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Now, get that inside of you. I'm going to Hebrews chapter four. I will get there. Uh, But let us hold fast the confession of our faith because he who promised is faithful. All right. With that tone and spirit and context, please understand the word I'm bringing to you. This is called unshakable faith. Hebrews chapter four, this writer begins to help us understand. And again, the brilliance of Hebrews is this. It lets us know why the old covenant is important, but the old covenant wasn't finished. And he's talking to Jewish people who were, who were tempted to say, let me just go back and be a, your basic old covenant synagogue going, you know, Moses, law of Moses, uh, you know, Jew, that way I'm safe. And he's saying, Don't you do that. Don't you go back. The, the, the old covenant was simply a foundation for which the new covenant is built on. The real house is Jesus Christ. And you'll see the book of Hebrews starts in the old days through our ancestors, the prophets, God spoke. But today it's through Jesus. Don't you go back. So all through here we see this, and he begins to, if you will, connect the dots from Abraham and Isaac and Jacob all the way to Jesus. And before we get to chapter four, he talks about uh, what I want to just challenge you with today, and that is faith. He talks about, and he says, look, Moses, our ancestor, brought our first generation of people out of Egypt, and they were in, and this is where I want you to start to connect dots and get ahead of me. They were in the wilderness of uncertainty. The wilderness of uncertainty. Think about it. Uh, he doesn't say it like that, but I, this is a little randiology. He, he Basically, he says, look, our ancestors came out of Egypt, and they were all asking the question, how, where are we going to eat? How are we going to live? What are we going to drink? Who's going to lead us? Who's going to win the, the election in November? Uh, you know, how are we going to get provided for ourselves? You know, we, we don't know how to fight. How are we going to take this promised land? And who is this God? We've never really worked with him before. All of these uncertain things, and listen, anytime there's uncertainty, there's anxiety, and all of us feel it. Gang, this is common to us all. Never in my lifetime has there been so much uncertainty, and you and I are right now in a wilderness of uncertainty. God took the children of Israel through this, this wilderness, but he had an expectation, and this was his expectation. Even though you can't see what's happening and you can't predict it, You need to trust my word because when everything else is uncertain, know this. The one thing that is certain is my word. I expect you to hold on. You can anchor down and you'll find this in Hebrews chapter 6 where he says, we find this as an anchor of our soul, an anchor of the soul, and we need to anchor down to it by these promises. Anyway, I'm going to start preaching Hebrews 6. Fantastic stuff that says that that anchor holds within the veil Mm, Hmm, don't go there, Randy. Okay, stay focused. But anyway, read the book of Hebrews and read it slow and understand the context. However, so Hebrews chapter three, he begins to build this case and say, our ancestors came and went through the wilderness. They had a promise from God that they could go into Canaan and that they could take Canaan. Moses and the guys came up to the Jordan. They sent in 12 spies. Two came back and said, the word of God is sure. We can take this land. This is the land. The other 10 came back and said, it is a great land, but we've never fought before. Everything is uncertain, and certainly we can't whip these big giants. We are as grasshoppers in our own eyes and certainly in their eyes. We can't take the land. And they turned around and God was furious. He was angry at them because he told them they could do it, and they didn't believe him. And the and the, the, the blessing of Canaan that he had for them, they missed it. That's where we pick up now in Hebrews chapter four. Hebrews chapter four, verse one says, Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear. Everybody here just say, Let us fear. You on your couches. Let us fear, lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as it was to them. In other words, there was good news preached to that generation. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. For we who have believed do enter that rest. As he said, so I sworn my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. And this is what he said over the people of Israel that disobeyed him and didn't take Canaan. Although the work was finished from the foundation of the world. Man, oh man, there is so much in what I just read. And I know you're reading it maybe for the first time today and getting your mind wrapped around it. I've been living with this for uh, several weeks, but certainly for this week. Since a promise remains of entering rest, let us fear lest anyone seem to have come short of it. Indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard didn't profit them because they didn't mix it with faith. So uh, just a couple of questions, and that is gonna be this. What does faith look like? Uh, what is it, and, and how do you get it? Okay, that's, those are my points. My points are more, more questions. What does faith look like looking at this what does faith look like so very quickly i will reference hebrews chapter 11 says now faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things we can't see with these eyes for by it the elders obtain a good testimony by faith we understand the worlds everything you see they were framed by there it is the word of god and this is where we're going to get our faith from They were framed by God speaking so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. And so there's a very, in fact, Hebrews 11 is the most um, known chapter of the book of Hebrews, and many of you may know this. This writer goes through all these, these wonderful Jewish ancestors that by faith did wonderful things. But what faith is, it really is this. It's me believing, even though I can't see with these eyes, and before circumstances change, it's me knowing that if God said something, before I see it happen, it's as good as done, all right? Somebody at one point in vision, before this was here, this whatever this pulpit, this table, before this was here, somebody saw this in their mind. Somebody saw it. They needed a substance from which to build this. They came up with, how about wood? So they took what was in their mind, they found a substance and began to form it, and all of a sudden, after, the, after working on this, they made this out of that substance. And here's what he says here. The worlds were, were formed by a substance, but not by things we could see, by the power of God's word, so that when he spoke, that was the substance that brought everything that you walk on, see, talk on, the very humanity that we look around. All that was created was made out of the substance of God's own faith in his own word. Okay, so that, that's tricky, but here's what I'm wanting you to get. Right now, we're looking for something secure, and many of you are, are actually considering, you don't want to put your Christian faith out there. We're like the Hebrew church right now, where we want to be Christians in private, but it doesn't pay to put it out there and to, and to represent Christ in this culture right now. It's a bit dangerous. I want you to know the word of God is sure. What he said about you is sure. We are the only hope. Doesn't it make sense that if you're the devil and if you if if you are, uh, hopefully you're not gonna go to this church for very long. Anyway, uh, you're not the devil. I'm just saying if, if I were the devil, I would think if even if there are Christians that are believers, I would want them so afraid that they don't rescue the rest of the planet. So I would cause them to be all closet Christians. Hebrews says, even in the middle of this climate, your job is to be a rescuer. So I'm calling you to that, but you're gonna have to do it by faith. You're gonna have to do it by faith. All right, so faith is the substance that what we're hoping for is going to be made of. All right, so you've heard that before. What All that means is this. If, if you and I can, can see the word of God, if we can find the word of God for something that we're believing for and hoping for, even before we see it, we can come to rest, it's going to happen, okay? Can't see it with these eyes. In an uncertain time right now, you need to know the word of God for the things that unsettle you. So what does it look like? This is what caught me in of all these things. Again, as you read your Bible, read it slow enough so that a word can jump off the page. And when it does, stop. Ask the Holy Spirit, what are you saying? If you'll go ahead and read all of Hebrews chapter four, there'll be a word jump off the page. Somewhere between 9 and 11 times, depending on your version, the word is rest. Rest. Let me read it to you. What does faith look like? Faith looks like rest. Hebrews 4.1 says, Therefore, since the promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear, lest any of you come short of it. Hebrews four uh, 4 and 5 says, For he has spoken in a certain place the, of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all of his works. And again, uh, in this place, they shall not enter my rest. And so this writer is trying to draw attention and say, guys, here's what faith looks like. It doesn't mean restful situation, it means on your insides. You can rest, Hebrews four, as you continue in Hebrews chapter four, it says this, therefore, uh, there remains therefore a rest for the people of God, for he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. All right. Get your pen out. Take a deep breath. What is the rest of God that, that faith brings about? What, what is that? Okay. So I looked at that, and I went back to Genesis. And by the way, as you study Hebrews, every other verse is a reference back to the Old Testament. Take the time, it's worth it. Go back and read it and look at it and see what it might say to you. So I go back and look at all of these verses where God is creating the universe and that's the rest we're to enter into. On day one, he would create something and at the end of it, he'd go, now that's good. That's exactly like, I like. that's good. He'd get his iced tea, drink it and look at it and go, I do good stuff. The next day, create something, sun, the moon, the water, the trees, the plants, the animals. After every day, he would rest. And let me, let me read this portion to you. Genesis 1, uh, 31 through verse uh, 2 and 3 says, Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Uh, thus, the heavens and the earth and all of the host of them were finished. Underline that word in your Bible if you've got a, a paper Bible. And on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had done, and he, God, rested on the seventh day from his work from which he has done. So, my question is this, and this was my question reading this God doesn't get tired, he's not physically spent. What, what, what is his, why did he rest? I mean, did he need to take a nap, a God that never sleeps? That's not the rest that we're talking about. That's not the rest of God. It isn't a vacation, though vacations are good. The rest of God was this. It says here that he finished that he finished his work, and the word there it's a Hebrew word. Uh, good luck, Kaal, uh, It's my best. And it just means to finish, to accomplish to be done, it means to bring to full completion, it means to, in, to end a matter to the degree to where you would say this, it is finished, it's finished. This wasn't a physical rest, this was a satisfaction that everything that needed to be accomplished for the rest of eternity was settled so that there was nothing unsettled inside of God, Hear me, this isn't simply physical rest. God set everything in place before he started so that any challenge that would arise in any of our lives, any challenge to him, any challenge to his will, he foreordained what the solution would be before he ever started. So that when he created man and set him there, he knew that man was gonna sin. He knew man was gonna sin. But the scripture says, from the foundations of the world, Christ was crucified. Why from the foundations of the world? That's when creation was happening. It was so that God could rest because he knew this. I know you're going to mess up. I know you're going to fail. But before you do, I'm going to put the solution in place so that when it happens, you know what I'm going to look like? Rest. You know why? Because I've already, before I bring it into reality, I speak it into existence so that when the problem arises, the solution's already there. And the reason that God can rest, the reason he rested on the seventh day, he looked it all over. He looked all through eternity. He looked at 2020. He looked at you. He looked at me. He said, I know the mess ups. I know the challenges. I know their sin. I know their failure. And if I don't solve it now, I'll be unsettled and not at rest. But I'm going to solve it by my word and my plan now so that as it goes, God knows the end from the beginning and he plans at the beginning by his word, he brings the solutions into place so that when the problem arises, he's not reacting. The, 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 it's already solved. And the way we enter his rest is we realize 2020, it might be surprising to us, but if you could see God right now, he's got a glass of iced tea. He's probably got like a straw in his mouth, like chewing on something. He's drinking tea going, I'm at rest. There's nothing happening here that I hadn't already solved. I've solved it by my word. Now it might not be in the human circumstances right now, but my expectation of all of you believers is to find the promise of my word. There is a promise and it remains out there. And let us be fearful, lest a promise remains of entering his rest and we don't find it. But know for sure from the foundations of the world, God was settled and he said this, it's finished. You know, when Jesus was on the cross, he was simply repeating this same word. Our sin, my sin, it was just the plan going through. When he said, it is finished, Jesus hung around for another 50 days, but he went, and you know where he is right now? Resting. He's seated. You know what you, when you entered Christ Jesus, you know what it said about us? That we are currently seated. We're seated with Christ. How can that be? What is this rest? It's a rest that says this. Yes, the circumstances are scary to me. Yes, there's a... I can't, there, there is uncertainty everywhere. Who's gonna be president? You know, what's gonna happen with the economy? All of that stuff, we can feel it, but we can't let it rule us because there is something that puts me to rest. There's a, there's a word of God, and if I enter it, if I enter that word of God, I come to rest. What does faith look like? It doesn't mean that you don't feel those fears and they don't come up. It means they don't rule you. You find the promise of God that addresses what is unsettling to you and you recognize, before that problem arose, God solved it. I'm going to enter His rest. This is handled. You jacking with me? Yep. Same for us. Same for us, right now. Look, so hear me. two or three times a day, there's things I have to re-enter His rest. I want you to know, I'm not acting like I never feel any fear, I never. What I do know is this: Once I find the word of God that resolves, this thing is handled. I'll give you a for instance. This is something I talked a little bit about it last week. Um, But, you know, years ago, uh, I I questioned my salvation all the time. And specifically, I would question, I would always pray this prayer, Lord, are you and I good? And I I think God probably got tired of hearing me come. My only prayer was this, God, forgive me. God, forgive me. God, forgive me. And I, I know he had to get tired of it. I know I did. But it was because of this. I was unsettled that the blood of Jesus had done what Jesus said it did. He wasn't unsettled. If I would have died, I would have gone straight to heaven and he would have gone, Randy, you're doing great. What were you apologizing? You you could have prayed about so many other things than apologizing. Well, so I found the word on it. I heard a message many years ago on Ephesians chapter one and and I'm gonna try not, I'm not gonna preach it. I know you're, you're worried. But if I did, you'd be still happy because this thing changed my life. Ephesians 1.3 says this. says, blessed, oh man. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Every answer, everything before the problem came, it was was handled. He's blessed me with every spiritual blessing uh, in heavenly places in Christ. Look at this just as he chose us in him or in Christ before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will. I struggled with, Lord, am I holy enough? Am I good enough? Are my disciplines enough? God knew that this was gonna be an issue for mankind. So before he ever invented man from the foundations of the world, through his preordination, he said, I determine that anybody who who enters through Jesus Christ, who enters through Jesus, I predetermine he will be holy and blameless. I determine it from the foundation of the world so that when that problem arise, if they'll find this promise and realize, this said, I've never been unsettled about your holiness. I solved it before you ever got unholy. In Jesus and in love, I predestined you. <sighs> Nothing has surprised God. My, here's my point. Whatever is unsettling to you right now, this will be an assignment for you. This is great for, for your quiet time. Write down, honestly, I'm unsettled in my own heart. I'm not at rest in this thing. And right now there's a lot to be unsettled about. Write those things out. Go to the word of God and begin to find the promises that settle it. And begin to rehearse those in prayer, in your thoughts. But do it until you can enter, not, not till your circumstances change, until you enter his rest, that it's handled, even though the circumstances aren't telling you that. That's what faith looks like. That's what it feels like. Enter the rest of God. All right, number two, and all, this is really it. How do I get it? How do I get there, Pastor Randy? So get the word of God for your unsettledness. Romans ten seventeen says, so then faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes by the word of God. Uh, Hebrews 4, though, staying with our, our, our place here. It says, because all of this pressure is on you, good Jewish people, let us therefore be diligent. This is 411. Let us be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience, speaking of that first generation that didn't get what God promised. Here's why you can do that. For the word of God is living and powerful, it's living and active, it's sharper than any two edged sword. So, if you need to cut somebody, but it's also a scalpel to heal your own soul, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there's no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to him to whom we must give an account. What he's saying here is, gang, in the middle of your circumstances and your fearfulness to withdraw, there's a promise. And you might look at the promises in the Bible and think, well, those are just old history or those were for that day. And he's telling us, no, this thing is alive. It's, 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 It's not passive. It's active right now. And a part of the way that you enter the word of God is you recognize this thing is alive and God spoke it from the foundation of the world. It's still alive and active. And if I will join it, if I'll I'll mix it with faith, the results that that word promises, it's alive. It's active now. It's alive and active. That's the beginnings of it. How do you get it? It starts with you got to get the word of God for the thing that that unsettled you, but I, again, one of the words that jumped off of, of the page for me, and I'm, I'm winding it down here. One of the words that d- jumped off the page uh, is it, strange. Uh, it's the word fear. Everything in Scripture, everywhere in Scripture, everywhere you look, do not fear. Timothy, don't you fear. Don't fear the people. I'll make your face like Flynn. Uh I have not given you a spirit of fear. Uh, you can go and find books in Christian bookstores right now uh, line the wall about don't fear. Here we have a command from God, fear. Fear. What, wait a minute, what, here's the thing. They're, they're, not, they're, they're not competing with one another. God says, here's a list of things that I never want you to be afraid of. Don't want you to be afraid of all kinds of things. I've provided for you. Don't, don't be fearful of not being provided for but here's something I want you to fear. Fear that there's a promise that I've made to you for your lifetime, that I've built it for you. Fear that I've created you for 2020, for 2021. I created you for this time, I created you for purpose and I spoke over you purpose, but because you didn't mix it with faith, you didn't enter it of all the things that you're not to fear. All the things that you fear that keep you, and again, in a time of uncertainty, there's all kinds of fears that cause us to back down. He says this, "The the way to subdue all of those fears is to fight fear with fear. Now listen to me. You cannot succeed in what God's called you to if you're afraid of people. If you're afraid of people, The biggest battle of certainly my early ministry, and it still comes up today, is wanting to please people, wanting people's opinions, to applaud. Uh, You know, when when you have a bunch of groups of people, uh, you can know what their opinions are. You try to please everybody. Gang, you can get, it's called the fear of man in scripture. And the scripture says that is a trap. The fear of man, it's a snare. It'll keep you from going forward. If you struggle with the fear of people, this is how you combat it. I'd love everybody to love me and everybody to be happy with all my decisions and I'd love to preach everything and it'd be exact theology that your grandmother preached and all that stuff. I, don't, I like peace, just my wife will tell you I'm a peacemaker. I like peace. However, I fear something more than you. I fear not accomplishing what God put on my life and assigned me to accomplish during this time. I fear that far greater. And when I compare the two fears, I stoke one of them and I subdue the other one. Whatever you fear the most will drive you. I fear that God has something for the crossing church. I fear that He created us to do something and have an impact in Montgomery County, and we not fulfill that. I fear that. I fear it. Do you know what it does? It clarifies vision. It causes all the other things that would come and, and attach itself and try to drag us down. It causes me to go, you know what? I feel it, but I, just, I cannot stop what I'm doing to, to pay attention to petty uh, uh, opinions. I fear not fulfilling and not entering the call of my life and not, and not reaching the finish line. I, I fear that. For you, I encourage you to start to stoke What has God called you to do and to accomplish? There's a life he created you for, that's our vision, to restore every person to God and to the life he created you to live. You know, we heard somebody talking here just recently about death and of course in, in ministry. I'm around death a lot. I'm not afraid to die. I'm afraid of the way. A little, you know what I'm saying? I don't want to be eaten by a bear or something weird. Uh, you know, I'm a little sketchy about that. And, I, and I'm not sure what it all, you know, the float up through the light and all of that. You know, who knows? But I know that it's an upgrade. I know that it's much more beautiful, much more awesome. And I know I get to drop this body where all this conflict is, that I'll get a body that actually matches my newborn spirit. That's just fantastic. I just, that's fantastic. That's dreamy to me. I'll miss y'all. Uh, you won't miss me. An hour after my funeral, you'll be eating chicken. It's like I've just seen it so many times. But here's the deal. I'm not afraid to die. I'm afraid to finish this life and not have fulfilled what I was actually put here for. I'm afraid to not live. I pray on this front row many, many times. God, is this what you're wanting? What else am I supposed to be doing? I pray it often. You know, I, I believe it's the right thing to keep fear stirred up about. It's, it's not a, an ungodly fear. It's a fear. He said, "Have this one; it'll help direct you." This is a part of how you enter his promises. Lastly, find it. How do you get faith? Find it. And I, I, I just—I'll re- reference this. This is Luke. Uh, this is Luke chapter. Luke chapter eight. Uh, this is where the disciples, Jesus tells the disciples, guys, let's get in this boat. Let's go to the other side. Jesus goes in the boat. He goes to sleep. The disciples are sailors. They're sailing. They hit a storm. Jesus is asleep. They're panicked. They come down to wake him up. And they say, Jesus, they say something like this. This is Luke chapter eight, and it's in several different of the gospel. Uh, they say, don't you care? Don't you even care? We're all gonna die. And so... Jesus, you know, clears his eyes, goes up on deck and looks at the storm and says, "Quiet." And the whole thing calms down. And then he looks at them, curious what he says. "Where is your faith?" "Where is your faith? Where is your faith?" I mean, he could have said, "You guys have no faith." He didn't say that. Times before he said, "You have little faith." He didn't say that. Here's what, I'm, here's, here's what catches me about that. He's saying, look, you've got faith. Where'd you put it? Where is it? Where, where's your faith? Here's what I want you to know. God has apportioned to everybody, all of us. Enough faith for the day we live in. You have it you just got all these other voices that you're listening to and all this, you got the news media and all your stuff and all your social media, me too, and all all your friends and your your mother's opinion and you got all this stuff and all of their faith competing and here's what Jesus was saying to them, hey, where is your faith? Where is your faith? The good news to that is this, it's this, you have it what you need for 2020. God's already seen 2020. He's already got the word of God for it and he is not unsettled about what's going on right now. We need to enter that rest and you have the faith you need. You gotta find it. You got it. That's good news. This would be where you smile in this message. That's good news. Now, as we conclude this this message, I wanna tell you a quick story. just some years ago, my dad, when he was alive and Stacey and I were young, married, we had this, this I, I, we, bought, we had this uh, s- Suburban that was nothing but a pain. And it was fun, some, but, man, that thing was a pain. One troubled thing after the other. And uh, the tires on that, now this is early 90s, the, just the tires for this Suburban, they were big old tires, were like 1,000 bucks. And back then, 1,000 bucks. 1,000 bucks is still real money, but back then, that was real, that was real money. And uh, my dad, you know, I don't know what it is about dads and father-in-laws. They look at your tires and tell you what you're, anyway. Uh, so, but anyway, him dad was that kind of dad. So he looked at the tires. He called me one day. He called me one day and he said, uh, Randy, uh, you, you need new tires on that truck. My well, dad, I know that, but they're a thousand. So he said, look, Go put new tires on it, put it on your credit card. And mom and I, we're gonna be down sometime this next week. I'll just bring a check and pay for it. We wanna pay for them, but you go ahead and put them on there. You know what I did? I went straight down to, uh, where do we get our tire uh, station? Discount tire, yeah, we went to discount tires. So there's a plug for you, discount tires. Went to discount tires. My dad said this, put Michelins on there. I mean, I'm not gonna pay for them if you're not gonna get the, get Michelins. Big old tires, you know, a thousand bucks worth of tires. And, uh, and I'm realizing you know, now, it, most of you probably spend a thousand bucks when you replace your tires. That's it, it, quite a bit like, anyway, I put these Michelins on there, throw my credit card out there. You know what? I, I was totally chill. Didn't even think a thing about it. I don't know what day my day, dad came, but eventually my dad and mom, they came down and he just wrote a check and did it and we paid the credit card off. Here's what I want, want you to hear. Uh, Before the money came to solve my debt issue, I was at rest, totally at rest. Once my dad said, Randy, take a step of faith, put those tires on there, I'm gonna cover it. My dad could have called and said, Randy, mom and I aren't gonna be able to make it down there, it's gonna be a month. Do you know what i would have been? Chill, no problem, dad. I would have been at rest. You know why? One, I know my father. Two, I know when he says I got this, he's got it. At that point, just by his word, before I see it with my eyes, before I saw that check, I was at rest. My dad has spoken, it is done. And certainly within a few days, my dad and mom came up, paid the bill off. The word of God is exactly the same. The word of God for us during this very unsettled time, when he says this, I will supply all of your needs according to my riches and glory. Before you see the riches, because he said it, you can enter his rest. When his promises are, I know the plans that I have for you and they're plans for your welfare and not calamity to give you a future and a hope. Before you see the good plans happening in your life, because your dad said it, you can enter his rest. It's done. Some of you now, right now are unsettled. You're unsettled because you're listening to this and you're not sure where you stand with God. Maybe you're not born again. Maybe you're not saved or you're not sure you are. I do wanna lead you in a time of prayer. I do want you to hear this though. Before the foundation of the world, before you ever knew you, God knew you. And he consecrated you. And he knew that this day was going to come. And he knew that you would be troubled in your, whole and un, in, your, in your heart and unsettled in your spirit because of this message. And it's not even really a salvation message that you're hearing. But the Holy Spirit is in your hotel room or he's in your car or he's in your living room right now and he's stirring your heart, God did this. And before he ever created and finished the earth, Jesus by his word was crucified so that your sin and mine could be forgiven. And if today, now here's the deal, that promise is out here and it's sitting right here for you, but you're not at rest because you've not mixed it with faith and entered into that promise. You must take a step of faith, and before you can really see or fully see with these eyes or even logically fully understand how this works, you take a step of faith and say, I trust you, God. I want to receive Jesus and I want to be saved. I want to enter your peace regarding my salvation. If that's you, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Your step of faith is going to be this it's not by feeling. You're going to say this, God. I trust your word over my feelings. If you confess with your mouth and believe with your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So I wanna just lead you in that prayer and you're gonna take this step of faith. You will enter his peace regarding your salvation. Father, in the name of Jesus, I bless this precious person, this this man, this woman, this young boy, this young girl, this teenager and Holy Spirit, would you touch them now? Would you pray this after me? Heavenly Father, I'm a sinner, and I've sinned against you, and I'm sorry for my sin. I'm fully responsible. Please forgive me. I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he lived for me, bled for me, died for me to pay for my sin, and I believe you raised him from the dead. I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior, and I surrender my life to you, and this settles it because of your word. I place my faith in Jesus, and I settle this unrest in Jesus' name. Thank you for saving me. You, my friend, have just entered by faith into the promise of salvation and your eternity is set. Everybody else out there, I want you I want to encourage you over this week begin to write down this is where my I'm disturbed and I'm unsettled. All of us all of us have areas. They all come up. I want you to find the promise of God that addresses it. It's God's already spoken. It's just, it's you can take it to the bank. And I want you to enter his rest in your heart, and you might have to do this two or three times a day, depending on what it is you're dealing with. Nonetheless, get you a scripture in your mind. My God, Philippians four nineteen. my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches, and he is rich, his riches in glory. Before I see it with my eyes, I know this. Whatever the scripture is, you find it, and you enter that rest. I've asked our, our, our worship team, Pastor Austin and this whole team, There's been a song that's really been an anthem for us, specifically here at this church, but I believe it's just an anthem for the season that we're in. And it's just this, the Lord God bless you, the Lord keep you, the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.
0: Thanks so much for listening to the Crossing Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. Keep up with everything going on at The Crossing by liking us on Facebook, following us on Instagram, or subscribing to our YouTube channel. Or you can visit us online at www.thecrossing.cc.